Hello, my name is Tanya, and welcome to podcast number 14. Be brave enough to embark on the adventure of a lifetime. The title of this podcast is Are Emotional Intelligence and Emotional Resilience the Same Thing? It is great to have you with us. I hope that your week was abundant. Was it a garden week, a desert week, or a jungle week for your family? What type of soil is in your garden? Is it sandy, clay, or mostly organic material with maybe a few worms? <laughs> Whatever your family looks like or feels like at any given moment is okay, and each is beautiful in its own way. We are here to strengthen the foundation of whatever type of family you have with what I call the foundational five, balance, structure, faith, personalization, and practice. It's February, a time to ponder on and make goals to improve relationships. My family used to live near Seattle, Washington, and the soil there was very sandy. With great amounts of rain, the soil needed to be porous to be able to soak up all that water. When my family moved to Utah, the soil is just the opposite. So full of clay that it might as well be cement. It is very difficult for anything to grow in hardened clay soil. It is hard to get moisture and air to the roots. The ideal combination of soil is one-third sand for filtration, one-third clay for nutrients and to hold water, and one-third organic material to aerate. In this type of soil, almost anything can grow. Was there a traumatizing event in your childhood that was so stressful that you stopped feeling a death or a divorce or abuse? Did the soil of your garden become like clay, making it hard for anything to grow in it? How were you helped to process this difficult emotional event? Or were you helped to process it? There are two extremes on the emotional spectrum, being so overly emotionally focused that each day is like a terrible sandstorm, or on the other extreme, treating feelings and emotions as if they are just not important at all. One of our five foundational principles is balance, and hopefully as we discuss emotional health, we will not go to either of these extremes, but be balanced and healthy in our approach to emotional intelligence. In an article from Positive Psychology, it states that the term emotional intelligence, first coined by psychologists Mayer and Salvoy in 1990, refers to one's capacity to perceive, process, and regulate emotional information accurately and effectively both within oneself and in others, and to use this information to guide one's thinking and actions to influence those of others. It is the ability to manage your own emotions and understand the emotions of those around you while responding in appropriate ways. It is being able to accept criticism and responsibility and being able to move on after making a mistake. Emotional intelligence is being able to say no when you need to and being able to share your feelings with others. There are five steps or levels to emotional intelligence that build upon each other. One, self-awareness. It is the ability to know yourself and understand your feelings with accurate self-assessment. Before the age of eight, most children can be taught to identify how they are feeling. We could ask them, are you feeling angry, sad, mad, frustrated, disappointed? Why do you think you're feeling this way? What can you do about it? For example, a child might hit or bite another child. You can separate the children and ask these questions. Help the child identify the emotion. What do you think Sarah felt when you hurt her? Help the child become aware of the other child's emotions. As the child becomes aware of emotions both in themselves and in others, they grow in self-confidence and self-awareness. 
Some exceptions to this might be children with autism or ADHD or Asperger's who will struggle more with emotional intelligence because they are unable to identify the reason why others are feeling a certain way or they're completely unaware of others' emotions or they are aware of others' negative emotions and unable to process these negative emotions. For children with disabilities, self-awareness doesn't bring self-confidence, but instead self-loathing. These children need extra help being successful in navigating emotional intelligence. Level 2. Self-regulation. It is the ability to control your own feelings by expressing or suppressing them in appropriate ways. As children grow under the age of 12, they must learn to regulate their emotions. If they have already learned to identify the emotion in themselves and in others, now they can learn to control these emotions. Do not confuse controlling or managing feelings with stopping feelings altogether. You can't grow plants and harden clay soil. Feelings are an important part of life and they should not be stopped from happening. Invalidating feelings is destructive and damaging. Everyone needs to feel validated and that their feelings are real and their feelings are important. You can ask the child these questions. How are you feeling? Why do you think you are feeling this way? What can you do about these feelings? One example might be a child recognizes that every time he plays that specific game at recess, he gets angry. Once the child is aware of the emotion and when it happens, he can then make, manage these emotions with different decisions. In this instance, he can choose to play other games at recess or take the time to get to the heart of why this game or person is making him angry and address the situation positively. Individuals become agents to act for themselves instead of feeling powerless like a victim or always being acted upon. When you have emotional intelligence, you stop believing that somehow other people have control over your emotions. The only control they have is the control we give them. We are solely responsible for our own emotions. No one else is. Level three, motivation. It involves being able to work towards goals demonstrating self-initiative or motivation. By the time a child reaches the age of 13 or 14, emotions begin again to overtake reason. <laughs> especially if the emotional work in early child didn't happen. I'll repeat that, especially if the emotional work in early childhood didn't happen. I am still waiting for them to create the sequel movie, the teenage version of Inside Out. It's going to be epic. <laughs> as hormones begin to rage, it is almost as if you have to go back to age two or three in these steps by identifying the emotion. Why do you think you are feeling this way? What can you do about it? A teenager who learns to navigate these newer and more powerful feelings successfully is going to feel optimistic about the future and will be motivated to grow and move forward even when things are difficult. They will be able to be open and honest in their ability to adapt to changing circumstances when necessary because they are motivated. Level four, social awareness or empathy is the ability to form connections with others while understanding and acknowledging others' emotions. These skills should be intentionally taught in the teenage years when developmentally individuals are likely to turn inward. Social awareness is about serving others and orientating our thoughts and feelings outward. Teenagers who are able to do this are more likely to be successful, have less depression, and lower rates of suicide. Teenagers who learn to be helpful and warm while being able to contribute to a group and listening to others' perspectives have developed social awareness or empathy. Level 5. 
Social and relationship management skills begin in the teenage years and build on the other emotional skills we have discussed. This is why in the teenage years, it is important for youth to be a part of teams, clubs, and social groups. If practiced early, relationship management can benefit them for the rest of their life, in their family, and in their career. It involves being an inspired leader who is able to articulate points in a clear way that motivates others. This also involves the ability to appropriately confront conflict management, negotiate, and settle differences of opinion. People with these social management skills are efficient at being a catalyst for change. They build others and celebrate their successes and are able to work together. These five levels of emotional intelligence skills build upon each other. Self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, social empathy and awareness, and relationship management. These skills help individuals face crises with lower levels of stress. They have less emotional reactivity and fewer unintended consequences. They also help individuals develop and maintain friendships. Many studies show that our ability to connect with others is directly correlated with our overall happiness. I read a quote that said, relationships are like a walk in the park. Jurassic Park. <laughs> There are experiences that can stifle our emotional growth, like emotional abuse. In families where emotional abuse is prevalent, in connection with other types of abuse, or isolated, abuse keeps individuals from growing emotionally. And these individuals are essentially blocking any emotions instead of having the courage to experience the emotions as they happen and process them in healthy ways. Because the rain cannot get into their clay soil, these individuals may become years behind in their emotional development and likely will need professional help to feel safe again and begin the process to heal in, in healthy ways. The wonderful and hopeful news is that emotional intelligence, unlike its relatively fixed cousin, IQ, is a dynamic aspect of one's psyche and includes behavioral traits that, when worked upon, can yield significant benefits from personal happiness and well-being to marriage stability and to elevated success in professional contexts. Emotional intelligence has been shown to play a meaningful role in family cohesion, academic success, mental and physical health. So far, we have focused on social and psychological benefits of emotional intelligence. It is important to note that Emotional intelligence, the ability to manage emotions and stress, and the ability to solve personal as well as interpersonal problems are also significantly related to physical health. Chronic stress and the prolonged negative effects which accompany it, such as anger, depression, and anxiety, can precipitate the onset and progression of hypertension, heart problems, and diabetes, increase susceptibilities to viruses and infections, delay healing of wounds and injuries, and exacerbate conditions such as arthritis. Our emotional health is essential because it is directly tied to so many other areas of our lives, including physical health. Now that we have defined and discussed emotional intelligence, what is emotional resiliency? Emotional resiliency is the ability to adapt to emotional challenges with courage and faith. Helping others and yourself the best you can and reaching out for professional help when it is needed. It is the culminating step after we have learned emotional intelligence. Emotional resiliency is the maturation or application of emotional intelligence. In a nutshell, 
Those with higher levels of emotional intelligence also displayed greater resilience and were less likely to burn out or succumb to depression. Have you ever seen a newly plowed field with long, dark rows of fertile soil? One of my favorite things growing up on a ranch was to go barefoot and run like wild through the soft, warm soil of newly plowed fields, feeling the dirt squish in between my toes as my feet sunk deep into the earth. This activity brought me so much joy. In summary, the soil in which we grow our lives needs to be balanced and nourishing. Fertile soil is essential to allow water and air to infiltrate, plant roots to expand, and life to thrive. A few worms are helpful too. <laughs> emotional intelligence and emotional resilience are something that we work each day of our lives for. Families are essential in this growth. It is important to our well-being and development to become well-adjusted and happy adults who can sustain fulfilling and lasting relationships. While we cannot change our IQ score very much, thankfully we can learn skills to become more emotionally intelligent, which will help us to lead out in successful lives. Meaningful and intentional learning is goal-oriented and the active creation of knowledge. So in this podcast, I offer challenges and encouragement to help you create and apply knowledge. This week, ask your children or yourself or even your spouse these three questions. What are you feeling? Why do you think you are feeling this way? What can you do about it? Then help them navigate through these emotions by listening to them, validating them, and having essential conversations. In future episodes, we will delve deeper into topics like teaching through reflective questioning, parenting young adults, counseling together, and disabilities in families. The ideas in this podcast are my own personal advice. If you need specific help, please reach out to a professional. I try to release a new podcast every Thursday, so look for it on Spotify, SoundCloud, BandLab, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts Connect. I invite you to subscribe to my podcast and share it with your favorite people. Send me your thoughts or questions you want me to address. Tell me what you would like to learn more about. Also, tell me what happened when you applied this principle in your family. Be sure to join us next week for part two. Does emotional intelligence improve social capital? Remember the five foundational family principles. Balance and gymnastics, consistency and ice cream, faith and fight songs, personalization and power, practice and horses. Thanks for joining us today. Focus on the foundational five to strengthen and create an intentional family. Beware, it's a jungle out there. <laughs>